Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Shayla Farzan. Tomorrow is free comic book day, a holiday not to be confused with National Comic Book Day in September. The celebration started back in 2002 as an effort to help bring new readers into independent comic book stores. Local shops and libraries across the city and county will observe the event and offer visitors free comics. One of those shops is Apotheosis Comics and Lounge on South Grand. They'll host a free all-day party with live music, meet and greets with professional comic book artists, and of course, free comic books. Joining me in studio to talk about the event and comics in general is Apotheosis owner and resident comic comic book expert Martin Casas, St. Louis native Jim Mafood, who's a, com- a concept artist for the Academy Award-winning Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse film, and Maggie Thurston, an indie comic artist who also collaborates with Ink and Drink Comics, a St. Louis-based publishing group that produces anthology graphic novels. Martin, Jim, Maggie, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So Martin, I'm going to start with you here. Um, Free comic book day. It's it's kind of a big deal now. Like, how did it become a thing? Man, I think it was just that people are so excited about all the new comic book movies that are coming out, all the new media. Like, there was a long time where there, the only place you could get comics was in comic books. And it wasn't really something that uh, was respected in culture, I think. It kind of took a while for it to take off. But then after the movies started coming out, people started flocking to stores. And so Free Comic Book Day is a really great opportunity for people who are just kind of casual comic book buyers to uh, meet their local comic book shop and uh, head in. And we get to give out hundreds of free comics, so it's like Christmas. (laughs) So we mentioned that this kind of started as an effort to bring more people into comic book shops. Mm -hmm. How well do you think local, local comic book shops are doing? Like we know that that folks are are reading more on their phones. Like, do you think that that's affected business at all? Oh, sir, it absolutely has. I mean, like everything else, I mean, this is the print medium, right? So print is certainly having its struggles from newspaper to magazines. Um, So what comic book stores have been doing the last decade is kind of changing their culture to make it more welcoming and more engaging. It used to be a place where, you know, the the comic book store guy from The Simpsons, I think, was a really (laughs) bad misconception about what comic book stores were like. And um, so the last last decade, it's really changed to make it more warm and welcoming. And because of that, you know, there's been a shift in who is reading comics. It used to be primarily kids and men. Now it's shifting to um, between the ages of 25 to 45, predominantly women. The majority of our customers in our store are women. And so because of that, the reading material is changing. Uh, what people want is changing. And it's diversifying into like some amazing stories. So because of that, we're getting all sorts of people coming into the store who you would never pick as comic book people. Interesting. So there's been kind of a demographic shift in who's reading comics. Of course, yeah. In fact, one of the reasons why we started our business is that so we're Missouri's only comic book store and bar. And it was because that, like I said, the majority of comic book, store, uh, or comic book readers are over the age of 21. And when I started this thing, the two things I like to do when I buy my comics is have a beer and listen to music. So we put that all into our store and, uh, and it opened it up to a whole bunch of new customer base. So it's not just a comic book store. Like, it's also kind of a community gathering place then, right. too. Yeah, we do uh, a lot of speaking engagements. We have open mics. We do uh, chess lessons. We teach kids how to play D&D. We teach, actually, kids and parents how to play D&D. Um, and, you know, and you want to talk about, like, a subculture. I mean, when I was a kid, oh, yeah. yeah, D&D was like... 
I, I was a pretty closeted comic book kid when I was younger. Like I, I, I li- actually, I literally had my comics stored in the back of my closet so nobody could see them when they came over. <laughs> and uh, you know, I grew up in Southern California in beach community, so like nobody read comics out there except yeah. for like the nerds, right? In the eighties, yeah, my friends and I wouldn't dare tell people that we collected comics. Yeah. it was like a <laughs> yeah. taboo, nerdy thing, and we were like. If we ever want girls to talk to us, we could never reveal <laughs> yeah, that. Totally, we, totally. we buy, like, Batman comics. And this was before the movies, before yeah. all that. It was a underground, almost, like, forbidden thing yeah. that you and, like, two or three friends shared. And that, that was it. Yeah. yeah. But even more underground than that was D&D people. Like, I remember mm. I used to look down on D&D people, like, going, oh, man, nerds. And but by now, D&D, you mean Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons, yes. yes. But now, like, you know, we host in the store, and the the group of people who are playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons now are yoga moms, lawyers, cops, dads, parents, They and their kids want to learn it uh, because it's a great way to engage with storytelling, problem-solving, group dynamics, and it's, it's really, really kind of fun. I, I got a quick story about being a comic book fan in the 90s. The most nerve-wracking day of my high school existence wasn't when I asked a girl to, to prom. It was when I wore my Superman shirt to school because I knew I was going to get such <laughs> yeah. crap yeah. for it from it's wearing a it. Bold move. It was a bold move, yeah. But I did it, and, and now I, I didn't wear it again. It's actually. crazy to see now you can buy like an Avengers T-shirt at Target. I mean, yeah. as a yeah. kid, my brain would have exploded if I saw that. It was a ve- if you saw someone on the street. When I was growing up here, like a guy wearing a Batman shirt or something like that, I would feel compelled. Like I have to yeah. meet him and talk yeah. to him. How does he? We know are about of the this? same we're, tribe, sir. You and I yeah, yeah. speak together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and then also like a lot of the shirts were only <laughs> extra large and XX large shirts, so you couldn't even fit into yes. them anyways. Yeah. Now I just bought a suit. Yes, uh, last week that was Spider-Man. Like it was an entire Spider-Man suit that I wore to the uh, Coca's uh, annual fundraiser, Coca Cabana. You know, like in like the shirts and styles now are it's, so great. And there's amazing. so, there's so yeah. much stuff you can wear. It's, yeah. it's, geek yeah. culture is amazing these days. Hot Topic has a whole line of fashion for mm-hmm. women based off of comic book stuff. It's, right. it's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. So, Maggie, I wonder um, when did you first kind of decide that you wanted to pursue a, a career in, in designing comic books, creating comic books? I've been drawing since I could hold a pencil. It's, you know, I can't not draw it, but. Um, it's just a part of uh, who I am as a person, just creating art, creating comics. Uh, I came of age in the 90s. I'm a Gen Xer, so creating zines was uh, very much a part of my, my teenage years and my college years. And that's just sort of translated over into creating comics the way I do now with Ink and Drink. Okay. Jim, what about you? I got bit by the bug real early and started collecting comics as a kid. And then that led me to wanting to draw and figuring out the formula of like, how do you actually do this and pursue this as a career? I mean, as soon as I found out that that was even a career option, like there's guys that get to sit in a room and draw this stuff every day. By the time I was like 11, 12, I started to try and I started the steps of figuring out like, how do you do that? How do you do that as, as a living? Because that sounds like a perfect fit for me, you know, and then I just kind of was my path started from there. And, you know, here it is like, you know, 30 years later or whatever. So, uh, and I, I eventually, there was a local publisher out here in the 90s called Artline Studios, and I hooked up with these guys when I was like 15, and they kind of took me under their wing and showed me the actual tools and materials you use to make comics, because this was pre-internet, and, and it was... 
there was no way of getting this information. So it was almost like you had to do an apprenticeship under someone, a master or a mentor that knew the tools of the trade, literally. And then I had that in high school, which was huge for me. And then I went to college in Kansas City to an actual art school, art institute, where uh, they further you know, hone your skills as far as like drawing, illustration, design, understanding the figure. And then I kind of took that knowledge and put it all into a blender and formed my own style of this is what I'm going to present to the world as far as like comics and freelance illustration. Yeah. So you went from being kind of that kid wondering, like, can I pursue this as a career to working on one of last year's biggest films, Spider-Man Into the Um, Spider-Verse. What was that like, like making that leap into film? Um, Well, I moved to L.A. in 2002 because I was starting to freelance for Hollywood studios doing design work in feature and animation. So I started to get my feet wet and make connections with people out there on on just a freelance basis of working on other projects and properties. And a good buddy of mine ended up at Sony as a producer. He hired me in 2015 to do pre-concept work for Into the Spider-Verse. And at that time, he couldn't even tell me if it was like Miles Morales, what it was. He was like, I want to hire you. Sony wants to hire you to do crazy Spider-Man imagery in your style, what do you think it should look like? So I was, I was uh, it's like very every, every artist's dream. Yes, <laughs> it was yeah. like a dream, oh and he God. knows I have a weird, quirky style. Anyway, so I was allowed to go crazy and buck wild and do turn in some strange stuff, and then I was hired back in 2016 to do specific passes on character designs for like every character in the in the feature and then what they do is they hire me and like 30 other people to do all that and then they take all of our designs all of our images and kind of like take bits and pieces from all of us and Frankenstein it all together into what you see in the feature as the finished characters the finished designs but to even be part of that process for me, was like a huge honor. I was starting to see things that they were doing with the feature, but it wasn't until I went to the premiere that all of our minds were just completely blown. Like, I didn't know that they were going to take it that far into this otherworldly, experimental, next-level step for animation. I mean, it's going to be regarded as a groundbreaking film. It already is, but it's a stepping stone film of, of like this is where we're at now. This is mm-hmm. where we're going with feature animation. Yeah. It's very exciting. You yeah. know? And the best thing about Into the Spider-Verse was that it was really ripped from the pages of a comic. Like I think it yes. was so true to the original material. You could tell that the people like Jim who worked on it cared about it. Mm-hmm. And that showed. And it really, like when I was watching that, the beats that the movie took looked straight out of a comic. And I think that was one of the things that fans like us just leapt at, man. And you you nailed out of the park. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a love letter to Mm. comic book fans and creators. You know, I felt very proud being in the theater. I went to the Portland premiere with Brian Michael Bendis, who is the co-creator of Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. He created that character. And to be in the theater with him and a bunch of Portland comic book artists, I felt very thrilled and proud to be part of this industry. Sometimes comics, I feel, is kind of like the lowest tier of art and entertainment. (laughs) You know, you have video games, you have feature movies, you have Netflix shows, and comics spawned all these characters, Mm -hmm. but we're kind of like 
the underdog guy. Mm -hmm. So to see Spider-Verse and see all the tributes and little Easter eggs in the movie to comics and comic book artists, very big thrill for me. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us walked out of there feeling very proud and pumped, like, wow, they really got it right. Like, they really represented the culture. Yeah, well, Maggie, I wanted to bring you into the conversation, too, because we mentioned earlier that you... You actually collaborate with Ink and Drink Comics, um, and you work on these kind of anthology graphic novels. Um, I have a feeling that some of our listeners might not be (laughs) familiar with that, and I wonder, like, how would you describe that literary style? Uh, Well, the the simplest way I explain it to people is by saying that we are a less cool version of the Wu-Tang Clan. (laughs) We all all work together and collaborate and create uh, anthologies and graphic novels together, but we also have our own separate individual projects. And sometimes they overlap, sometimes they don't. But uh, it's really great because we all learn from one another. We work pretty well together. And uh, it's just, it's it's a great experience to work with other artists because it can be very isolating to be an artist, to be a comic book artist, because you you generally work alone. You, you know, have earphones in and you're at your drafting table and whatnot. And it it can get very easy to isolate yourself. So working with other people in that capacity is, uh, it's not only fun, but it's also very healthy. Who would you say is kind of one of the the biggest influences on your career as a comic book artist? Uh, I'd say artists like Chris Bacallo, for sure. Um, Mm. Basically, anyone who's ever worked on a Sandman comic. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Neil Gaiman, definitely. Um, The the DC Vertigo comics were always a huge influence just because they went a little bit farther out there creatively Mm -hmm. and uh, even intellectually. So, But yeah, there's so many great things out there that uh, have played a role in that. How do you, I can imagine when you're producing comics every day, um, that it can get a little exhausting sometimes. Uh, I wonder, how do you kind of recharge your, your creative batteries? Uh, good music, good movies, um, learning from other artists, too. Uh, and frankly, also knitting. <laughs> knitting, really? Yeah, it's because <laughs> when I get a little bit burned out on working on art, I'll switch gears and knit, and it's very meditative. You're still working with your hands. You're still creating something, but it's like using a different part of your creativity to make something that's also uh, very tactile. Jim, do you also knit to recharge? I don't. <laughs> I don't. But I understand exactly what Maggie's talking about with, like, uh, music, be, finding inspiration. And it is important to get out and be around other artists. It is very isolating work and you need to have people that can understand what you're going through. It's strange to complain about like deadlines and stuff to normal people because they perceive it as you're living the dream. You get to sit in a room alone all day and draw. That sounds like the most funnest thing ever. And it's like, it is, but it's also (laughs) intense work that, um, there's deadlines and, the, and it, there's no one – it's up to your own personal mm-hmm. discipline to get this stuff done right. and not be distracted and make it happen. So you, it, it is important to not become a totally isolated weirdo. <laughs> Martin, in our, yeah. last, uh, in our last 30 seconds, can you tell us what to expect at your shop tomorrow? Yeah, so we're going to be giving out over uh, you know 50 – well, over 500 uh, free comics will be given out tomorrow. we got bands going from uh, noon all the way till 9 o'clock at night. We have artist uh, Matt Roberts coming in who does a book about Lewis and Clark called Manifest Destiny. Jim will be there as well. Uh, we're going to be giving out – oh, Ink and Drink will be there too. Mm-hmm. And we'll be getting um, lots of great deals on comics, and uh, it's going to be a fun time. 
Great. I want to thank Martin Casas, Jim Mafood, and Maggie Thurston for joining me today. Thanks so much for coming in and taking the time. Of course. Thank thanks you. for having us. It was great. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.